What's up, everybody? I am Jalen Suits, the host and founder of Sit Down with Swaggy Suits. Today, we have head basketball coach at Dallas Baptist University, a University of Kansas graduate, and UME Preparatory Academy Vice Chairman, Dr. Blake Flickner. How's the offseason treating you, coach? So far, so good. Yeah, it's, it's been good. A little bit of a change in the routine, and, and uh, it's been nice to have a little bit of a break. Yeah, sir. I've been seeing you in the gym. You trying to, you trying to bulk up or something? Not trying to bulk <laughs> up, just trying to stay healthy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we're going to start this podcast by just starting off with your childhood. Where did you grow up? What did you want to do in life? Yeah, I grew up in Garland uh, on the east side of Dallas, and I loved sports growing up. I played all sports, baseball, soccer, football, uh, basketball, and really enjoyed uh, those activities, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I did well in school, and I really wanted to do whatever God's will was for my life and so I know in high school and even through college that was a really important thing that I wrestled with a lot you know what is it that God's calling me I don't know if I would have used those words to God's calling me but but what was his will what was what was the right path for me to take what college should I go to who should I marry what should I major in what do I want to do with my life that was a big uh, struggle, as I imagine for a lot of people, that's kind of that that time in life where you're figuring it out. And I, uh, at one point, thought I might go into medicine or try and go to med school, or I thought I might uh, go into ministry or try and be in, in full time vocational ministry. Um, I ended up majoring in business for my undergrad, um, and there was a lot of things that led me in a lot of different directions. But I really had always been involved in sports, and even in my uh, undergraduate time at the University of Kansas, I wasn't good enough to play there, but I worked with the team as a student manager. My father had been a college basketball coach. I, I'd had a lot of relationships and opportunities and connections that I really just saw God was opening some doors mm-hmm. for something that I really loved, and I, I really started to see that um, I wanted to try and be a coach and, and really try and pursue that path until doors got shut, and so that that was the direction that I started heading in and really trying to to go after um, kind of towards the end of my time in in college. Yes, sir. So you went to Garland High School. How would you describe your high school career, like being an athlete, you know, just being that student athlete? Like, How would you describe that? Yeah, so my story is a little bit unusual. I I spent my first three years at South Garland High School, and um, during that time I had played all the way through um, I was on freshman B team. I was on JV two. I was on JV, and towards the end of my junior year, um, discovered basically through a series of events that I was not going to get an opportunity to play on the varsity team at at South Garland High School, and that uh, was was difficult. Um, felt like basketball was being taken away f- from me before I was really ready mm-hmm. for it to be taken away from me, and um, and my family was in the midst of moving we changed houses we ended up uh, I, I changed schools and went to garland high school uh, in downtown garland and there i thought i was going to get the opportunity to play uh, i was working out training with the team and things were were looking positive um but the the coach from from south garland really protested our our move and made it uh you know and an, where i was not going to be eligible for UIL rules, uh, having just changed schools and be able to play at Garland. And so I was uh, basically ruled by the UIL that I was ineligible. I wasn't going to get to play. And so I was 
kept from playing at Garland High School too. Uh, so during the fall when that started happening, I actually started leaving as soon as school was, was out, and I would go up to Eastfield, and I'd practice with the, the team at Eastfield Community College, which is where my dad coached. And sometime, I don't know, November, December, uh, my dad just brought up the idea, what if you graduated early and enrolled at Eastfield and come play for us? Hmm. And uh, hadn't something hadn't been something that I'd been thinking about or really considered as an option, but uh, the majority of the classes I was all I was taking in the springtime of my senior year were all college level classes. There was only one class that I needed to take to be able to get my high school diploma. I ended up taking government correspondence. Um, I think it was through the Texas Tech, and but this is back in the old days where it was all through the mail. You know, it wasn't online. There was no such thing as online. Right. Um, but I was mailing. Uh, stuff off. I'd get stuff in the mail. I'd do my test. I'd send it back off. And I finished a government course in like, I want to say seven, seven or eight days, something like that. Uh, and that's allowed me to graduate high school. I enrolled at Eastfield Community College and I started playing uh, at Eastfield for my dad. And so I had never played varsity uh, basketball in high school, but yet here I was playing in, in college. Um, so a little bit of an unusual path and, yeah. and uh, a story that not many people would know or, or share. See, that's the thing with sit down with swaggy shoes. We try to get stuff that most people don't know. <laughs> so I achieved my goal today. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But all that happened to you in high school. What did your relationship with God look like back then? Like, how did that affect things? Yeah, it was a difficult time. I was a Christian. I was a believer and I was actively involved in my church and our youth group and was trying to grow. I was, I was reading my Bible. Um, consistently on my own and I really cared about you know wanting to know what was God's will um, what was his plan for my life and wanted to to follow him but I uh, I was discouraged you know it was it was tough just having basketball taken away like that and not knowing you know how everything was going to work out Uh, it's interesting now you know 25 many years 30 years later being able to look back and say um, you know each of those things are partly what's led me to be here today. You know, if I had been able to play in high school, I might not have played in college. Maybe I'd fe- I would have felt like that that um that I kind of reached my 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 limits there, but by having it taken away, it kind of pushed me into playing at community college. And then uh when that time was done, you know, that led me in a different direction than maybe I would have gone for my undergrad, you know, straight out of high school. So you just never know how how things will zig and zag and how God guides, guide you along the, the path of life. And, um, you know, I, I look back at those things as being partly what led me mm-hmm. to being a coach and, and being here sitting down with you today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you played at Eastfield with your dad. I didn't know that. So how would you describe that relationship as a player to your dad? Like, was it like a, oh, that's my son, you're going to play or like, the same respect that one, all the players are to get, all the other players got you got to. Yeah, it felt really natural. I guess you'd maybe have to ask some of the other guys on the team to see if they thought I got <laughs> unfair treatment, but I don't feel that way at all. And our, my relationship with my dad was really good and is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he treated all his players like they were his sons, um, so it didn't didn't feel different in a lot of ways. You know, Eastfield's a community college. There's no on-campus housing. I was still living at home, but at home we didn't really talk. Eastfield basketball we, we hardly talk basketball at all that's just kind of how my dad's always been that um you know he it, basketball coaching is 
what he did, but it's not who he is. It didn't define everything about him. It didn't define all of our conversations. Um, you know, it's not like we came home and he was on me about stuff that happened at practice or anything like that. You know, we really kind of left that at, at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first got to Eastfield, part of what had kind of opened all these doors for me being playing there is they'd had some injuries. They'd had some things that had um, caused some guys to leave the team and different situations that were tough. And they were down to just seven guys Man. at the time. So I was like the eighth guy. So uh, I had opportunities to play. And I don't I don't think anybody, uh, you know, I'm still close with several of those guys and, and have stayed in touch with some of them. And um, I don't think any of them felt like, that my playing time was beyond what I deserved. (laughs) Um, But I was able to help and contribute. And my first college game, I think I weighed 135 pounds. Um, Mm -hmm. But I worked hard and got stronger and was able to kind of grow a little bit over that next year. And and then my second year at Eastfield, I I played even even more. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you go to Eastfield, and then you go to Kansas. How did it feel like, man, I know I'm not going to get a chance to play with the best – like one of the best teams in the nation, uh, University of Kansas. How did that do on your mental? Like, what were you thinking there? Yeah, so when I was done at Eastfield, there were a few schools that I talked to or visited that were maybe places I could have kept playing. Um, but the schools that I was most interested in wasn't weren't interested in me. And the schools that had some interest in me, uh, I wasn't that interested in. And so it, it really kind of... Uh, showed me that the door was closing for me to be able to keep playing. And when I got to Kansas, I was able to get on with the team as a manager. That was a job that provided a little bit of uh, money and income to help help me. Um, and I did try and walk on to the team. I thought that would be fun. And they Kansas at that time, uh, under Coach Roy Williams, they had open tryouts and, you know, they'd have 60, 80 kids come out and do cuts, you know, throughout the week and, you know, get down smaller and smaller groups. And I felt like, um, you know, I was uh, maybe in the mix and, and had a chance but never got, got picked. But I was able to stay on mm-hmm. as a manager and keep working in that role. And that, uh, interestingly, provided me a different perspective of coaching because I was in the office. I was, you know, behind the scenes with the coaches, kind of seeing the day-to-day things that they were doing um, in addition to being in practice and observing practice and, uh, those kind of things. So um, it helped prepare me for coaching. Um, and I was I grew up a big Jayhawk fan. My dad had coached there. Both my parents were from the state of Kansas, and I had always really enjoyed the Kansas Jayhawks. So it was fun to get to be be in school there and had a, had a really good experience at KU. Yes, sir. So you got to see what it was like behind the doors with coaching. So you had assistant coaching roles at U.S. Naval Academy, Colorado State, and you went back to Eastfield and did a little coaching. At what point did you tell yourself, I'm good enough to be a head coach? <laughs> um, I don't know uh, if I ever told myself that. I just was trying to get better, trying to learn. You know, throughout my career, I would always try and support, you know, the head coach and the people that I was working for, but I would also keep notes or, you know, had a notebook or things that I would, you know, if, if I'm a head coach, this is what I would do. Or, you know, mm. And sometimes I would think, you know, maybe this way – wasn't the way that I would want to do it. And often it's funny now having been a head coach and have a little bit more experience looking back on some of those things, actually have been able to really see, Oh, that's why they did things that way. (laughs) It makes a lot more sense to me now. Um, but you know, I had that, um, I don't know, arrogance or confidence to be able to think, 
Um, even though I was always really supportive of everybody I worked for, I, I would always kind of be thinking about, well, how would I do it or what would this look like or whatever. I had dreams of what I thought it should should be like, um, you know, very idealistic. Um, and then the reality of, you know, once once I got those opportunities, having to make it work kind of tempered some of those dreams and idealism. Um, but I always had, had those visions, you know, wanted it to be, wanted to live my life in a way that would honor God and glorify him. And so how would that look if – I was running a program, you know, at a non-Christian setting. You know, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking that I would would be at a, a Christian school like DBU. Mm-hmm. And so I had a list of, I don't know, 100 or more schools that I was kind of paying attention to. A lot of them were Division three schools, but smaller colleges, some Christian schools, some weren't Christian schools, but they were schools that I thought cared about athletics, you know, would, would have some investment in um, – you know, wanting the program to, to do well, but also had a good balance of, you know, understanding where basketball fit in the overall bigger picture of the university and a student's life. And I was just kind of watching a lot of those schools and trying to see when a job opening might come up or, you know, when there might be an opportunity. And DBU, I saw a job posting for a head coach um, here at DBU. And really, in all honesty, it was at an age and a time that was, you know, wasn't necessarily anticipating that I was was really going to go after or or maybe even be ready for a head coaching job. Um, But it was in my hometown. It was at a Christian Mm -hmm. school. Um, It just there were so many things that were really lining up that made me think, man, I at least need to try. Right. I need to go for this job and try and, um, you know, see if if it's a door that the Lord would would open. So obviously I was praying about it. My wife was praying about it. And um, uh, yeah, lo and behold, through through series of events and through the application process, I, I was offered the job and, um, and I've been grateful and, and thankful for it ever since. Yes, sir. You said your wife was praying. When did you meet your wife and when did you know I'm gonna marry her? <laughs> yeah. So I met my wife when I was in, uh, Colorado, I was working at Colorado state university. Mm-hmm. She was living in Philadelphia at the time. So we were in two separate parts of the country. Uh, she was finishing up her undergrad and then she was working for a mission organization in Philadelphia, uh, but our parents met in Dallas. They were both in a church okay. uh, here in Dallas and had met. And, you know, they, I got a single son, I got a single daughter. Maybe these two should meet. And so we started talking uh, through email long before we had ever met. And we talked by email for months, um, which was great in a lot of ways because we really got to know each other and it allowed, um, you know, through our both busy schedules, we were both working and things to. Um, be able to communicate, you know, as we had time. And, you know, it was a daily thing, you know, going and checking the emails, seeing if there was <laughs> any any new emails or any new questions. And we would just kind of converse and, and talk back and forth through email. And that went on for several months before we met. And then periodically over the next year, we were able to get together and meet and spend some time together. Um, and then she moved to Colorado, got a job in Colorado. We got engaged and got married not too long after that. Shout out to your parents, man. Y'all parents hooked it up. But, Coach, that you did email. I don't know if I could do email. <laughs> if I had to do email nowadays, I'll be checking that thing every second. Like, do I get email? Do I get email? And if I do get an email and it's like a school email, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> so It was different in those days. That, uh, you know, I didn't have a cell phone. She didn't have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I guess we could have called on a landline. But we didn't talk on the phone all that much, maybe once a week or so. But we emailed quite a bit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now we're going to step away from basketball. 
not only are you a coach, but you're a father and a husband. How difficult is it to balance your coaching responsibilities and spending time with your family? Yeah, it's a challenge. Um, basketball coaching is not a eight to five job. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily end at a specific time. Um, and, you know, wanting to be able to be there, keep my family as a priority has always been really important to me. And, you know, throughout different seasons or times in my life where basketball was really draining, you know, if it ever came to a point where um, I had to choose between my family or my wife and my job, I, I would always choose my family. Um, mm -hmm. That that comes first. And if I, you know, if that meant I had to step away from coaching or do something else, then that's that's what I would do. Uh, as much as I love coaching, um, I want to I want to be a good husband and be a good father and keep that those relationships going. So um, the nice thing about coaching is even though it isn't an eight to five with you know normal weekends and vacations off and you know I call it bankers hours you know you just <laughs> eight to five you get the holidays off you know yeah. basketball coaching is not like that but it's also really flexible in a way that allows me to involve my family you know they're able mm -hmm. to come and be a part of what I'm doing um, so uh, yes it requires a lot of hours it requires evenings and weekends sometimes and there's things that uh, detract from being able to be present with my family as much as I'd like to, but it also there's things that are really blessings that allows them to be for me to be present because they're able to to, to come to come to mm -hmm. be involved to come get in the gym to come up to my office during the day or you know whatever we've got a lot of flexibility in that so it's it's been a blessing and something that I think we've enjoyed and I've not pushed any of my kids into sports um, even though it's something that I've enjoyed a lot and been a big part of my life I've let that kind of grow organically with them um, but I, I, I want to be present for them I want to be available I want them to feel like they always can come talk to me and um, hopefully have a good good relationship with with each person in my family yes sir uh, not only do you coach but you serve as the board vice chairman for UME Preparatory Academy in Dallas what made you want to take on that role too yeah so uh, being a part of the board at, at UME, which is where my kids go to school, they're there, uh, came about at a time where the board uh, for our, our charter school where our kids are at had was having a big turnover, and they needed some more board members. And I was approached and asked uh, to participate, help provide some stability for the board and some support for our administration, which was something that I was glad to do because I care a lot about that school. And I've had some experiences uh, in higher education and things that um, felt like maybe could could bring to the table to offer. But uh, it's a volunteer position, uh, but it's just a way to support the school and try and help uh, provide um, our administration with some good uh, backing and support and, and maybe some wisdom or guidance here and there where, where it might be necessary. Um, so I've been doing that for a couple of years now and just something that God uh, brought and put in front of me that I wasn't necessarily looking for, but right. it, it came when there was a need. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, going into this last topic, that's not – it's about basketball, but it's not about coaching. So, you know, I'm close friends with Cam, Isaac, most of the team. I know how you're there for players besides coaching, like as a father mentor or someone they can go to about Christ. So I want you to share with the audience, like, what is your goal and what makes you encourage them to stay in the Word? Yeah, so before I'm a basketball coach, I'm, I'm – first of all, a human. 
and uh, and God's given a task to every human, and particularly for those that claim to follow Jesus and want to be followers of Jesus. I've just really had it pressed upon me and been convinced of that um, if you are a Christ follower or a Jesus follower, part of that is is making disciples mm-hmm. um, and pointing other people to Jesus. And um, I, I hope that coming through this program that it's a place um, that's really hard to stay on a road towards hell apart from God uh, because we present a compelling and hopefully attractive um, and understandable message of the gospel. And so I've, I've spent my life uh, studying scripture, trying to follow Jesus myself, and I want to draw others into that. I've seen what a difference Jesus has made in my life. Um, I have strong convictions about the truth and the reality and the wisdom of what the Bible tells us and, and what that means for us in this life, but also for all of eternity. And so, you know, I, I want to interact with the people that I interact with and the, the people that God's put in front of me. And in this case, it's as a basketball coach, it's with my players, it's with my family, it's with my kids, um, neighbors, mm-hmm. people in my church community, you know, people. I want to be a part of what God's doing in the world and be on mission for what he would have me to do. Um, and so that, that involves with our team, uh, you know, trying to, to lead. And I would do this even if it was in a non-Christian setting, you know, even in other secular universities where I've worked, you know, I had relationships with the players where we're friends. I'm trying to mentor them, maybe trying to point them towards what's good and might invite them into uh, a voluntary opportunity to learn more about God or to study the Bible together or do something like that. Um, DBU is a little bit of a unique situation because it's part and parcel of what it means to be a student here. We're, we're right. going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> well, sir. You know, it's, it, uh, and so the, the invitation comes in the recruiting process. You know, before you come to DBU, you know, like mm-hmm. part of what you're signing up for is, hey, we're going to talk about Jesus all the time. Right. Um, and so that's a little bit different from, from a secular setting um, where it's, it's, it's totally voluntary and it's all on the side. You know, here when you when you join DBU, you know you're you're stepping into an environment where, hey, you you got to be prepared for the fact that we're going to open our Bibles together, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about what has God said. Now, I don't force belief on on anybody. I think Holy Spirit's got to do a work in everybody's heart, and uh, ultimately, every every individual person is going to have to make a decision for themselves to follow Jesus. But I want to provide that opportunity um, and provide a platform where they can one hear what the bible says there's a lot of misconceptions that people have maybe outside of the church or you know maybe even grew up in the church but haven't really ever connected with what's the big story of the bible what's god saying to me what does he say to me as a man you know what is he saying to me as a father what what is he saying to me as a, a basketball player and if i can help make some of those connections with them and for them and at least put a, put them in a position where the holy spirit um can really do a work in their heart, um, then that's what I, I want to try and do. And then it's it's like the parable that Jesus told of a farmer that throws seeds. You know, mm-hmm. some of the seeds are going to take root. They're going to grow. They're going to produce, you know, a big plant that's going to have more fruit and it's going to produce more seed and it's going to multiply. And, you know, some of the seeds, not not much is going to happen with it. Right. Um, and you just don't know. And so we want to we want to try and do what we can to throw seeds to cultivate the soil, 
to put some water on it, you know, to provide some good sunlight mm-hmm. and, you know, and then see what happens you right. know, between them and God will be, you know, what happens with their spiritual life. They're going to have to make decisions and make choices and God's going to have to work in their heart and spiritual things will, will happen that in ways that are out of our control. Uh, so we'll, all we can do is try and, um, try and, do what we can with the soil and with the seed and just scatter it and throw it and, and try and make it, um, uh, as attractive, uh, mm-hmm. as it is. I, I say, make it attractive. The gospel and Jesus are not something that needs to be made to look good. We just got to show him for what he is. Right. Um, and you know, in, in doing that, uh, hopefully that, that draws some people in and we've seen that happen over, over the years that I've been here. Some guys have really grown in their faith and, that's one of my biggest um, joys is watching somebody really get serious about their spiritual life and um, watch them mature and be different when they left here than when they came. And so I really enjoy that, um, whether that's taking somebody um, that's very nominal in their Christian faith and helping them uh, really understand the gospel and embrace it and maybe make a, a decision to follow Jesus with their life. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's somebody who has already kind of made that type of a decision, but really hasn't wrestled with what does that mean? How does that play out day to day? Um, how can I really grow and deepen my relationship with the Lord and, and better reflect him or to get to that point of being a leader and a disciple maker themselves where, Hey, I want to be a part of this mission. I want to go draw others mm-hmm. into, um, a life of following Christ too. Yes, sir. That's what I like. And I think it's so unique about you and the coaching staff here at DBU because not only, like, do you want them to be good at what they're doing in the sport, but you also care for them, like, as a human being in their walk with uh, Christ and things like that. And I was going through some myself. Like, I didn't have, like, nothing to rely on. Like, I don't play sports. And I was going through it this last month in April. It was bad. Mm -hmm. But I'm just now realizing, I'm like, I think God took everything from me so I can sit and focus on what he's telling me Mm -hmm. because, like, car my friendships my relationships all of it just gone i'm like dang and then once i finally got it when i went to church sunday i was like i think god took all that away from me so he can actually like make me listen and force me to listen to what he's telling me to do and now i feel like i know what i gotta do like i think my job is to change lives like my purpose is to change lives Mm -hmm. so with this podcast i'm like yes the sports podcast but what can i do to get through christ like what can i do to achieve my purpose through this podcast mm. so that's why every time like i'm gonna talk about christ on my podcast and if you like it good and if you don't click on somebody else's podcast yeah because that's my purpose yeah yeah yes, sir. that's great that's really good yes sir so i'm glad you said something about recruiting because that was my next thing uh coach Dion sanders i don't know if you heard this but when he said he recruits certain players he wants them to be raised a certain way mm. like his quarterbacks he wants them to have both parents in their life for decision makings mm. and his defensive players to come from a single household. <laughs> what do you look for when you're recruiting? Like what qualities do you look for for an athlete? Yeah, that's definitely not something I've ever articulated like that, the way you just <laughs> put it from, from Dion. But, uh, you know, we're always trying to find uh, the full package, you know, mm-hmm. as best we can. And, you know, we're looking for a bullseye that we're, we're never going to hit perfectly, but it's, you know, what what's out there, what's available, what can we – find what fits you know where we have holes and who can we convince to come here you know and there's always a little bit of that but we're looking for guys that are skilled at the game of basketball not just tall not just can jump and dunk 
right. like who can dribble, pass, shoot, mm-hmm. you know, have a feel for, you know, moving, cutting, the spacing, you know, things like that on the court. Uh, obviously, at this level, there's a certain uh, level of size and athleticism and strength that becomes really important. And at every, at every level mm-hmm. of basketball, sometimes there's just certain things that no matter how um, hard a, a guy works at his skills, he may just not have the physical tools to, to, to make it. You know, in the NBA, mm-hmm. there's – sometimes you just got to be just big and yeah. strong or it's just, you know, it's just different. And, you know, at this level, there's there's some of that too. And so we got to find guys that are athletic, strong enough, tough enough, physical enough, but also have the skill as a player, uh, the unselfishness, the character of, of caring about their team over just themselves. Um, we're looking for guys. It, my, my dream, my goal would be to have our locker room full of guys that are really strong, mature believers, uh, and our discipleship is just helping them launch into being disciple makers and so you know we're looking to try and find the best um you know christian basketball players in the country and you know that's that's not always an easy thing and so trying to find the talent the skill the size the athleticism the academics the toughness the mental toughness the faith all of those things are things that we're looking for and then you've got to sort through okay nobody's hitting the bullseye in all in every area mm-hmm. um which of the guys that we feel like we're we're talking to um, come the closest? You know, who's hitting the things the most? You know, maybe a guy uh, is not real strong in his faith, but, man, he's a high-character guy. He's a guy I can trust. We can trust in the locker room. We can trust him on campus. He's going to be a good fit here. Um, and and he's got strong academics. And, you know, so we just – we got to find, um, you know, the, the best things that we, we can. And, you know, sometimes it's – Hey, this guy's got all this talent, but man, we wish he had a little bit more grit. We wish he mm-hmm. had a little bit more toughness. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's high character. He's a strong believer. He's you know we got all these other things, and so you just got to weigh those things and um, figure out. All right, we got these three or four guys. They've all got good qualities. Some maybe a little better in this area. Some maybe a little better in that area. What does our team need? Mm-hmm. Where are we lacking? How are they fitting a, a a hole that maybe we have on our roster so they can bring something to the team and contribute and not be, uh, um, you know, exactly the same as somebody else and can help us, you know, help us continue to try and compete and, and win at the highest level that we can. Yes, sir. So now we're going to go into a segment where I like to call rank your favorite. So I'm a, what we're going to do is I'm going to let you rank some of your favorite things to go Basically, you'll see basically certain things, topics. So we're going to first go with your top five coaches of all time. Oh, man. Top five <laughs> coaches of all time. Any sport or strictly in basketball? Any sport. Okay, let's go John Wooden, Tom Landry, Dean Smith, uh, Roy Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Let's, th- let's throw a. Uh, Popovich in there. He's a great. He's a good one. He's a good one. Who um, who's your top five NBA players right now? Right now, top five NBA players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd be surprised how how little I follow or know. But uh, I'm I'm a big Warriors fan. I like Steph Curry a lot. He's a joy mm-hmm. to watch. He's a ton of fun. Um, just to watch him compete, watch him play. Um, really like Kevin Durant. Um, you got you got your um, your your big name guys that everybody's 
um, really familiar with. Um, obviously, you know, LeBron and, and those guys. But, um, yeah. Uh, you got you thinking on that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm a Steph guy. I, yeah. I like watching Steph. I really enjoy the joy he plays with. He seems like he's having fun. He's smiling. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. Um, and he's in constant motion. Just the Always that he moving. Has. I would hate to guard him. Yeah. I'm more tired guarding him than just <laughs> on the offensive side. I'm using all my energy guarding him. Yep. You got to hide him a little bit on defense. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not the, the best defender, but I feel like he competes and he, he tries with his limitations. Um, but, no, he's fun to watch. I love Jokic. Yeah. I love Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those guys are, are a lot of fun to watch. Embiid's a, a – Kansas guy, so you know I gotta support yeah, those. You guys. gotta support the Kansas Jayhawks. That's right. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, now I want to get your favorite Bible verse. Mm. Favorite Bible verse, um, or just a Bible verse that you love that just top yeah, of your mind. I guess mind. one that's coming to mind right now: Ephesians two, uh, ten. A lot of people are familiar with Ephesians two eight and nine. Mm-hmm. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This not of yourself, this not of, of works so that anyone can boast. Um, but then the next verse is a little less often quoted. Um, but it's, I think, a really powerful verse. But it just says that God's made each one of us his poem, mm. his poema, his workmanship. We're created to do good works that he planned ahead of time um, for us, that, that he's made us for a purpose. He's made us for works. There's something that he has for us to do. And it's something that he's planned for us from the very beginning. Um, and that's why he has saved us by grace yes, is, sir. is for the purposes that he has for us. Yes, sir. And what is one of your funniest moments in coaching? Because I could tell you one of mine. When you get upset, that leg get to stumping. I'll be like, look at coach. He's stumping the yard over there. <laughs> like, yeah. I know that got to hurt your feet sometimes. <laughs> yeah, my feet, my knees sometimes from getting in a, a squat position. Funniest moments coaching. Um Things that come to mind are, uh, you know, I, when I was working at Colorado State, um, had an experience where we were we were actually playing a tournament in Hawaii, mm-hmm. which was which was a really fun opportunity just to be there. And here we, we're leaving for practice, and I'm getting in the van. I'm just you know the the dobo, the basketball operations guy, administrative assistant guy, mm-hmm. and the coaches are out in the vans, players are out in the vans except for one player. And, you know, oh, where's Freddie? Oh, I got to go find Freddie. So I go running back into the hotel trying to track Freddie down. Can't find Freddie. I'm banging on his door. He's not answering. Then I come back out, and the vans are gone. You know, they took <laughs> off without me. So Freddie came down while I was looking for him. He came down. And once Freddie got there, you know, we got the players. We're gone. You know. Wow. No, no, no thought about Coach <laughs> Lickner. So there I am stuck. This is pre-cell phone days. So I don't have a phone to call anybody. They're they're going for practice. What am I going to do? So I go and ask at the front desk, and I'm you know where's the uh, where where's the gym at? And I, I get directions, and I take off, and I head off to the college where I thought we were playing, uh-huh. and I I start running, and, I just <laughs> run. and you know our hotel was down by the water, and so everything's uphill. It's humid. I'm just dripping in sweat. It's like a mile jog, run, and I I get to the gym, and I get there, and there's nobody there. I'm like, what on earth? What is going on? Here I am just drenched in sweat. And then finally somebody comes in the gym, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to find Cairo State. He's like, oh, they're not practicing here. They're over at the convention center. (laughs) (laughs) So you got to go run again. Now I'm running again, and I'm going to a different place, and I finally find 
the team and they're already in the middle of practice. They're going and I come in the gym and I just kind of situate myself behind the table and start doing the stats and the different things that I would do during practice. And periodically people would just kind of come by and they'd look at me. They see me all drenched <laughs> and sweat and they're just like, Blake. Where were you? <laughs> you know, Y'all left me. That's, that's where right. I was. <laughs> Y'all, what you think I was you? doing? You think I was playing patty cake? You left me. That's right. Man, that's right. crazy. Coach, yeah. I didn't even know. <laughs> I would have been mad. Yeah. I would have yeah, lost my mind. Story. As soon as I got there, I sudden practice down. Because <laughs> I want to know why you left me. <laughs> yeah. But now we're going to go back to basketball. You know I'm a sideline reporter now. Mm-hmm. I watch some games where the sideline reporter asked the most dumbest questions ever. So I want to ask you, what are some type of questions that you don't like? So I know not to make the same mistake. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't know. Just the, the question that you hear, you see sometimes, or the, or the questions that have the, it feels like an obvious answer, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not thinking of a great example, but I'm picturing Popovich. Uh, <laughs> some of his timeouts where they come over and ask a question and he just, he just look at just, like, just stares at yeah. like, like what what are you talking about but him yeah, and Nick Saban Nick Saban give you that stare too and I'll yeah. be like I'll, I'll be watching them like what will I ask so he won't yell at me yeah. that's why I, you gotta watch for the sideline reporter you gotta watch I'll ask a question about the game I'm not asking a question like coach you're losing what can we expect no duh we losing <laughs> like right. but I'm have like coach what can you approve on the offensive side or the defensive side they doing this what what looks will you throw next? Like that's the questions I type mm-hmm. at, so I can inform the audience that's watching and not get yelled at. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. that, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But you've been at DBU for eighteen years. Mm-hmm. You actually got your doctor here, right? Mm-hmm. So congratulations on that. But this previous team have been retor- reported to have the most talent since you've been here. Been a report. <laughs> what can Patriots and fans expect to see next season? Well, we got a good group coming back. We've got a good core of guys that we we have been successful and been productive, and um, you know we just want to see um, them continue to grow. See some guys, you know, grow up into their their roles, and hopefully have really good off season of of getting better. I think they're they're motivated right now. We've had a good last four weeks of training, and um, you know the the hard thing for us at, at the Division two level, we're not allowed to train them over the summer so it takes a lot of initiative mm-hmm. on their part you know if they want to get better they've got to really invest in doing that and all the resources are there for them our strength coach coach Trevino our facilities you know they're all available but they've got to they've got to make use of that and so I want to see a good off season. I want to see guys train and come back stronger come back fitter you know improve some of their skill and uh, just be ready to, to compete because I think you know that's that's what I want Patriot fans to appreciate and see is that they see, um, you know, guys that are going to pour it all out. You know, they're going to give it everything that they got. And if we come up short here or there, whatever, um, they're doing it with passion and courage and discipline and integrity and selflessness and, you know, that they're going to they're gonna give it everything that they got. And I think that that kind of passion is, is fun. You know, everybody loves to follow passion and see people that are are really competing and and giving it, giving it their all. And when you do that, um, you know I think I think we'll be pleased with the results. Yes, sir. I had Ricky on the podcast, and I was talking to him about the student section. It's so dead. It is. It's so dead, Coach. I can hear a pin drop. It is ridiculous. And I'll be telling them that too. Like we gotta do better. So, what would you tell students who is listening to this podcast right now on how much you need to support 
Well, I just think the games are fun. I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity to do something with uh, your classmates, with your friends, you know, family, people from the city, you know, just to come out. Um, and, you know, we've had some great crowds. You know, we get one of the better crowds in our, our league, and we've get you know, when our students are, are there and, and really invested, it's, it's, uh, it's really a special thing. And we've had, um, you know, some of the best uh, crowds of anybody that we ever face, you know, when, mm-hmm. we, when we go out. Uh, on the road at different places. And so I, I love the support that we get. I love the support from the university. And I just want students to to really embrace it as, man, this is part of the college experience. This is something to do. It's a lot better than sitting around at the, uh, you know, dorm room or apartment being lonely, you know, right. playing video games, watching <laughs> TV. You know, come on out and get with people. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's make it a fun uh, a event for, you know, students to be a part of and, um, the more people that come, the more fun it gets. You know, it just kind of has a little bit of a snowball uh, effect um, of being out. And so, yeah. Yes, sir. I agree. I agree. It is fun because, you know, I forgot what game it was, but like the last semester when I wasn't reporting, I was on the front row. I'm just yelling, just trying to get in the other team's ear. And like the close games, those are the most fun because the student section is just riled up. Oh, yeah. Everybody's moving. Everybody's yelling. That. That should be the expectation for every game. Yeah, we've me. seen it make a difference. I mean, we've seen guys miss free throws, you know, opponents mm-hmm. miss free throws, or, you know, just we get a little momentum going and the crowd kind of keeps that momentum going. Mm-hmm. Or maybe things are going against us. Right. But they can kind of give you a little bit of juice to, you know, fight back through some adversity and, you know, stop the negative momentum and kind of get it going in your direction. So, they, the you know, everybody's a part of this. It's not just, you know, the 15 guys – in the locker room, you know, obviously they're practicing and they're pouring a lot of blood, sweat, and tears mm-hmm. out into it, and there's an investment. But, man, it's a, it's a school-wide thing. And, you know, the, the more that we get uh, everybody in the community involved and invested, it just it helps. It, it, makes it makes it better for everyone involved. Yes, sir. So my last question for you, you say you don't watch NBA that much, but I got to ask you, what team do you think have the best odds to win the finals this year? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, uh, Celtics, I think, will be hard to beat. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to see uh, Embiid and Jokic in the finals, get a, a Philly and Denver mm-hmm. finals. I think that would be a, a really entertaining matchup. But, man, over the last 10 years, I've been a, become a, a, a big Warriors fan too, and it's yeah. hard to root against them when they're, when they're really playing and moving the ball and everybody's doing their role well and hitting hard shot, to beat. tough shots and – uh, you know, passing and the ball snapping around, man. I, I, I really have enjoyed watching them, and uh, they haven't had uh, a dominant year this year. They've struggled on the road, mm-hmm. but they got just got their first series win. And man, it'd be hard to root to, hard. to uh, bet against the the Warriors. They've they've got uh, a special ability to to rise up to the challenge, and so I, it'd be fun to watch them go on a run too. Yeah, my prediction. My early prediction when the uh, season just started was the Bucks in Denver, but Miami went on and knocked them out. I didn't see that coming at all. Well, Jimmy Butler's a DBU fan, you know. He was at one he of was games this year. Yeah, so it'd be great to see the Heat make it. Yeah, as well. so we we root for Miami. <laughs> we root for Miami. You know, I was actually supposed to interview Jimmy, mm-hmm. but his security wasn't going. So, <laughs> but I got to do Remy too. So that's that's all good. But speaking of that, you got a couple players that you know went on to play. Um, basketball, pro basketball. How does that make you feel as a coach? Like, man, 
I actually got to see some of my players go on beyond DBU and play professional basketball. Yeah, it's special because for a lot of those guys, that's their that's their dream. You know, growing up is wanting to be a pro, wanting to play uh, pro basketball, and you know, even if they're not making millions and millions and millions of dollars and you know whatever we we haven't had lebron or steph curry come through here yet but we've had some good players Mm -hmm. and uh you know the n there's an nba level but there's also the g league there's clubs in europe a lot of them are are you know competitive beyond even the g league you know or australia we've had guys play in australia italy denmark netherlands spain um where did uh, Big Al play? I forgot where it's at. Uh, Montenegro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so it's fun to watch those guys do that because, one, I know that they're getting to continue doing what they love and then hopefully, you know, just experience a different culture, you know, expand your vision of what the world is and uh, meet some new people. And then, you know, my dream for all those guys, too, is, hey, you get to go be a missionary. You know, people grow up in church, you know, talking about going here or there, taking the gospel this place will, man, if you can get a job working in another country, here you are, you've got an opportunity to, to travel and, and be salt and light in someplace different. And, you know, maybe have an opportunity to have some gospel conversations and do that, whether you're in the U.S. working as a financial planner uh, or whether you're in Spain, you know, working as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're a follower of, of Jesus, that disciple-making process is always a part of it. And so, um, my hope is that some of those guys would would be missionaries wherever they go, whether that's here or there or, or anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I want to thank you so much for doing the episode with me, Coach. Uh, everybody, that was Coach Flickner. This has been another episode of Sit Down with Swaggy Suits. Make sure to go support the Patriots next season. We want to see more attendance there, especially your students. But remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And we're out. Peace.